Welcome back to the Life Change Podcast. Okay, here we are today with uh, Dr. Blue, Dr. Bo. I didn't win the lottery last night, so I figured I should do a podcast. You had to come back to work. Yeah, I had to come back to work <laughs> and uh, do, do all that good stuff. Um, every time it gets over a billion dollars, I buy $20 worth of tickets. I think one time I've won my money back, like five bucks. So I got that going for me. So currently I'm down like a hundred bucks. I can't believe they get over a billion dollars. That's crazy. Hey, it is what it is, right? It. Uh, I had a one in 320 million chance of winning last night. So you're saying there's a chance. Uh-huh. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of a chance, uh, today's podcast is going to be about uh, weight loss medications. Yeah. Uh, specifically the, the newer medication. Um, so like Wagovi, Saxenda, uh, all the semi-glutide derivatives, which are GLP-1 receptor agonist. Tell us what you know about these medications, Dr. Blue. Well, I think, you know, we've realized or seen lately that everybody and their dog is on these medications. Even and, a few dogs. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're putting, you know, if your dog's overweight, they're just giving that to them. No, I'm just joking. But um, actually, you're you're probably not joking. <laughs> uh, we're just hearing everybody, everybody, primary cares prescribe them. I even seen an article where psychiatrists are prescribing them. And I think I think what this highlights is we've known this forever, but uh, obesity in America continues to get more significant. We've got a problem. And we're looking for a quick solution. And that's our culture. We want a quick, we want a, a pill, we want an injection, we want something. But the hard part of this is that no one wants to understand or face is it's the lifestyle change. Because even if we have this quick fix uh, while you're on it, it may work. But if you do not fundamentally change what you're eating, your lifestyle, whether that be, you know, adding in exercise, exercises, uh, management of stress, sleeping, everything that got you into this situation, that once you come off that medication, the weight will come back plus extra. And we'll talk about that today. So um, I, I'm really, I'm getting concerned because everybody's going to, are just starting these and they're not, they're not going into it with a a mindset of changing things. Yeah. And I think that's plagued every weight loss medication from the start of time. And if anybody's interested, we have a course put together that explains the history of weight loss medications and how this one's different. Um, and, you know, you and I have talked about this. The The one thing different about this medication, the past medications were based off of two things. Number one, suppressing my appetite. Mm -hmm or speeding up my metabolism, mm -hmm. falsely, falsely elevating my metabolism. So like amphetamines, yeah. stuff of that nature. Um, that's always going to be a temporary fix. There's no chance of those medications having sustained weight loss because you're temporarily uh, doing things that, that cause a response from your body. Uh, eventually you hit the wall, doesn't work. And, you know, time will tell on this medication as well, if that's the case. Um, and then if you take away that elevated metabolism or you take away that appetite suppression, where are you left and what damage have you done in the process, mm -hmm. specifically with appetite suppression long term? Uh, if, if I just go down to 800 calories a day, yeah, I'm going to lose some weight. Uh, I will hit a wall. I'll give up my 
my intake will go back to normal. My metabolism will stay suppressed. I mean, this is kind of like when you take steroids or when you take testosterone replacement, your body naturally stops doing that stuff and it has to, it has to build back up on its, its own production, its own ability to burn calories. And you're left with this gap where you get, you know, rapid changes uh, with weight loss, you get rapid weight regain. And then you're, you're, if you have chronic, uh, calorie suppression, so chronic appetite suppression, your, your body, it, when it, when the, when the metabolism comes back up, never goes back to where it was. No. And this is what, it, this is what creates the yo-yo effect of, yeah. you know, I lose 30 pounds, I gain 35 pounds. I lose 70 pounds, I gain 70, you know, 80 pounds. And the, the net outcome of each little experiment is chronic. You're, you're worse off than where you were yeah, chronic right? weight gain. Yeah. So, you know, kind of the, what do you know about the mechanism of action of semi-glutide? Well, let me jump into that. I want to say one thing to what you just said, and, and I keep sharing this with some of my patients is these weight loss programs that we go on, um, calorie suppression, uh, we lose as much muscle as we do fat mass when we're on these commercial programs. And that's what's detrimental um, because, like you said, if you lose as much muscle as you do fat, that ultimately affects your metabolism long term because muscle is what burns more calories than anything in our body. Um, and so you got to be strategic when you lose weight that you really target fat mass. And um, the way to do that is you've got to, you know, up your protein to keep your, your muscle mass. And you also have to do some resistance or weight training uh, to keep that muscle mass up where you can keep your metabolism up. Um, before we jump into the mechanisms of action, uh -huh. so I've been, I've been really uh, kind of trying to explain this to my patients lately, surgery and non-surgery, just kind of the, the bucket philosophy on glucose management. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. So you give your take and then I'll chime in with what I've been saying. You start first because I've got to figure out what you're trying to say. Okay. <laughs> you said yes. You said yes. You're That's like what I do my, a lot. I, like agree, I, agree with, I agree a lot until mm -hmm. uh, I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if you think about how we store fat, right, it's like a bucket analogy, uh, specifically when it comes to carbohydrates. Yeah, you know, when insulin grabs a carbohydrate, a sugar, you know, whatever you want to call uh, that. Um, hold on, we got an alert here. We do not want that to make changes to our computer right now. Um, but you have a bucket and the, the, uh, the, the bucket is where insulin wants to put glucose. Uh, so liver mm -hmm. and muscle, mm -hmm. right? And so that's your bucket. However much sugar your muscle can tolerate, however much sugar your liver can tolerate, that's your bucket. And every, anything that overflows the bucket gets stored as fat, right? So when I talk about, when we talk about losing weight, um, it's all about controlling insulin exposure. And this leads into the mechanism action of semi-glutide. So that's the reason I, you know, I'm not, not just bringing this up for academic purposes. Uh, so if I think about this bucket, uh, there's a few ways I can, can lose weight. So one would be to get a bigger bucket. Mm -hmm. So I have a bigger bucket, so not as much overflow. So I can either increase my muscle mass mm -hmm or I can increase the health of my liver. The second way of losing weight is to empty the bucket, right? So I do enough activity in a day where I deplete my muscle stores and my liver stores to where my body has to refill the bucket, right? And 
the the important thing to remember there is you know, if you think I, I think about how I used to to train like when I was young like you know you're you're eating a Snickers bar so you can go out and play so you're making sure that bucket's filled you get that bucket about halfway empty and then you're artificially ele- filling that bucket with Gatorade and frog gels if you're a runner if you're a cyclist you're you're filling that bucket back up um, so you don't ever really affect what's overflowing so I can get a bigger bucket. I can empty the bucket or I can control what's going around and, and, you know, delivering that excess overflow to the fat cells, which is insulin. Right. Would that be kind of how you yeah, look at weight loss? Have you no, I love that illustration. No, you, 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 we went over that before. I thought you told me that. I thought yeah. I'm very that smart. Was a, that, that was up. a Jason Fung, I think. Is it a Fung? Yeah. yeah. So that his reason for intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. So emptying the bucket, controlling the insulin exposure. So now let's talk about the mechanism of action of semi-glutide. Uh, so its main, its main thing that it's doing is it's augmenting insulin secretion. Now, here's the question. Do you think it elevates insulin or does it suppress insulin? So I think it sensitizes. So this is why we're seeing responders and non-responders. Uh, so GLP-1 uh, agonist, which is this is the, the peptide that it's being produced or you're putting in the, your the body, yeah, yeah, which is in your body, yeah. uh, that it helps sensitize you to your own insulin. And that's why it's really good for diabetics. Uh, and I think that that if we were to look at patients that are responding the best, it's those that have insulin resistance or are diabetics. Uh, those that don't necessarily have that going on, but they are still overweight, they're the ones that aren't responding. Yeah. Uh, and so that I think that's why we're seeing that variability. But to be fair, eighty percent of people have some insulin sensitivity issues. Right? Correct. Yep. Okay. Uh, so I see, and you can add to this, but the way I see how this works is GLP one uh, does several lots of different things in our body, but um, it it slows down gastric emptying, uh, so you feel full longer. Uh, that's partially why they're seeing a lot of side effects related to this. Uh, a lot of patients are getting gastroparesis. Um, matter of fact, at the time of surgery, when they're trying to do any kind of surgery, they're having a big dilated stomach. Uh, that's why some patients feel kind of bloated. Um, also, uh, insulin sensitivity. Um, that's what we just talked about. Um, one other thing, and just appetite. You're just you're you're not yeah. hungry, and so. Yeah. That's that's the way I see how this works. So from from the manufacturer, uh, four mechanisms of action. And number one, it suppresses appetite in the brain. Uh, that, and that's GLP-1. a hormonal uh, uh, response, slows gastric emptying. Uh, and here's the two that really confuse me, right? So number one, it amplifies glucose-dependent insulin release. So in the short term, it actually increases your insulin output to okay. lower your glucose. Okay. So we have to... Remember that this medication was made for diabetics. Correct. Right. And how do you treat diabetes, which is defined as has nothing to do with insulin, except for the sensitivity. The, the number they're measuring is glucose. Yeah. So whatever medication makes my glucose number look better is going to be how we treat diabetes. Now, you and I know that the way we treat diabetes is actually the exact wrong way to treat diabetes. Which I would lump this one in that. If yeah. it's if it's increasing insulin, we know insulin drives a lot of our metabolic issues right. long so term. This is the reason I brought brought the bucket out analogy. Yeah. So what ultimately stores fat? Insulin. Yeah. So, you know, we you know, we've kind of scratched our head with this medication and why we see 
uh, muscle loss, you know, and how it compares to fat loss. This is because it's not particularly uh, the the mechanism of action is not particularly targeted at specifically, you know, decreasing fat because you're actually increasing the insulin load. Because you know, through our years of learning, it's not the glucose number that's the problem; it's the insulin exposure to handle the glucose. Yeah. Right. So if anybody out there has ever been diagnosed as a type two diabetic later in life, you get put on insulin. Lo and behold, you gain 50 pounds like immediately. Yeah. Right. So there, th this, this, this medication is increasing your insulin, which the, the, the counter to that is I'm suppressing appetite and I'm suppressing gastric, gastric emptying. So we're seeing an overall weight loss, but we really have to pay attention to what kind of weight are we losing, are we losing muscle or are we losing fat? Yeah. Right. Because our insulin levels are high. So we still have that messenger saying, go store this as fat. Right. So as you continue, one answer I want to give is we know that from clinical studies with this medication, they're losing patients are losing 30 to 40 percent of muscle mass while they're on it. If you don't get appropriate protein intake and you don't do resistance training and you're going to lose muscle, which will we'll talk about the long term effects of that. But that's very detrimental because once you're off of it you're going to regain weight if you haven't changed your lifestyle. And if, you, and if you've lost a lot of muscle, you've now decreased your bucket size. Correct. So now it's easier to put fat on because you got a small bucket. Right. We, and we've talked about muscle is the longevity currency of our life. Yeah. And so it, it's we're talking about really, aging, not weight loss. really yeah. important to keep muscle. Yeah. All right. Keep going. Fourth. So fourth and the final is it inhibits glucagon release. Okay. Now that one's a, that one's a real head scratcher to me. Yeah. Because going back to the bucket analogy, mm -hmm. so once insulin drops off glucose at the muscle and at the liver, it is converted to. I'm thinking through glucon while you're, while you're talking. Yeah. So it's converted into the storage form of carbohydrates, yeah. right? And to get that out, your body secretes glucagon. Yes. I always remember this from biology because glu glucose be gone. Glucagon, yeah. right? Is that how you remembered it? I always think of it. It tries to. Uh, basically drive your glucose up because yeah. fight or flight, you need glucose. So glucagon is going to go up. But it specifically releases glycogen. Yeah. So the the storage form of glucose is glycogen mm -hmm. in the liver and the mm -hmm. muscle. The mm -hmm. storage form of glucose otherwise is fat, right? <laughs> so glucagon specifically, and I, the, I, I'm hopefully I'm not making this up, but it does not have the ability to go to fat and say, come on, glucose, because it's no, it's no longer stored as glucose. And break all that down. I'd right. have to it's, look into it's, that. It's a glycerol with a, yeah. you know, with a, so glucagon release is specifically what goes to the muscle and to the liver for immediate glucose needs by mm -hmm. breaking down the glycogen mm -hmm. and converting it back into the free form glucose. Like your mm -hmm. body can't use glycogen. It has to be told to release it. And that glucose is immediate need glucose. Like I got to run away from this dog. I've got to walk up this flight of stairs. I've got to, you know, do something really quickly. We have enough glycogen in our liver and muscle to support about 30 to 40 minutes of activity, yeah. right? And then once that's the bucket, once the bucket is depleted, I then have to go call on fat, right? To, hey, I, we, we need you. We've, run, we've ran out of short-term energy. We now need long-term energy. That's what fat is. So for this medication to inhibit glucagon release, think about that. Yeah. So my bucket is full. 
And we've talked about the ways of losing weight. I either have to have a bigger bucket, I have to empty the bucket, I have to control what's going into it, or I have to control what's going out of it, right? I, I didn't explain that with the previous bucket analogy, that another you know, way of addressing that is to control what's being put into the bucket, <laughs> right? <laughs> so this, this medication is specifically saying, I got my bucket filled, and I can't, I can't get it. I can't release it. I can't deplete my bucket. I can't empty my bucket. And so it's increased the insulin level. So theoretically, what would that do? Hmm. It would put more fat on you. Yeah. You know, I think there's, I, I think there's some mechanisms that's still missing. Uh, and I think it has to go back to, well, the, the, so the way this drug works is appetite suppression. Yeah. Right. I just do not feel like eating, which is long-term calorie suppression, which leads to long-term problems. Which is the same thing that we've been doing over yeah, the years. The, the, Commercial, the, the, uh, Jenny Craig, uh, Weight Watchers, all about, it's all about calories. calorie suppression. Yeah. 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 Plus you're losing muscle mass in this situation. Yeah. Because you specifically, you know, you're, just to drive home the point, if you're taking this medication, you have to have appropriate protein intake. Appropriate protein take being defined as, I always screw this up. Uh, I use about one and a half grams. Um, per kilogram. Correct. Or 0.7 grams per pound, mm -hmm. right? So, for example, I'm 188 pounds, so 0.7 times 188. Mm -hmm. I'm really bad at math if you want to do that quickly, but you get the point, I got a right? calculator. So that is my, that is the minimal amount of protein to support the mass that I'm carrying. And we talked about this before. I, I beg people not to think about protein as protein. Your body does your your body does not know what protein is. It's amino acids. It's amino acids, and so there's a, a huge selection. Of amino acids are the building blocks that make up proteins. So your body absorbs protein, completely dismantles it into amino acids, and then sends it out into your body to rebuild muscle, to rebuild intestinal lining, rebuild genetics like you have to have the variants of amino acids that's why i'm not a big fan of just protein shakes all the time for your protein intake because it's not a varied complete source of amino acids right Does that makes sense yeah um so now that we've kind of looked at this mechanism of action like how do you see this playing out so patients that are just getting this willy-nilly prescribed and without any education and really not changing their diet. They may think they're changing their diet, but they're not understanding what they need to be changing. What I see is they're going to lose some weight. They're going to be very, very, very happy. Which in our clinic, look, we're looking at 16% total body weight loss. So in a lady that's uh, 200 pounds, um, I'll get the calculator. Yeah, do some quick math. Um, but I'd say just down and dirty, maybe 30, 35 pounds. Okay. Um, now that's not, we see, we're seeing some people that respond uh, less than that. Um, I've had a few patients that literally they've, non -responders. Lost, they've lost five pounds in three months. Yeah. Now, here's how I see this playing out is yes, they're going to be happy they're going to lose 30 to 40 percent of their muscle mass along the way once they come off of that say they're getting near the weight they know i don't want to pay for this anymore uh, so they go off of it and they haven't changed they're still eating a lot of sugar they're eating a lot of processed carbs they're eating a lot of inflammatory fats oils uh, 
then what I'm concerned is there's still the underlying problem that got them into this situation. They haven't changed. So they're going to regain that weight. Plus they're probably going to bring 10 to 10 to 15 pounds more because they lost their muscle mass. So we're back to where we were, but in a worse position. And so that's my long-term concern about this. Okay. So ways to combat that. And so, you know, specifically, if you're getting this medication through our clinic, we're going to put you in an online course that talks about everything that we just went through, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to try to emphasize protein intake, resistance training, which I was going to be the part two of the, the podcast was resistance training. What does that mean? And we're going to try to help you make changes that affect that bucket thing we were talking about, yeah. right? Yep. And because we know ultimately if we don't affect you know, kind of those four, we call the four pillars, you know, nutrition, exercise, sleep, and stress. If we don't work on all four of those, it's going to be, they're going to be temporary results. And it takes me back to the original question. So uh, here's what yeah, I how, would, how do we mitigate that? Yeah. Here's what, if I was a patient out there on this medication, here's some things. Um, number one, I really need to clean up my diet. So cutting the sugar out, cutting the processed carbs, cutting the inflammatory oils, focusing on gut health, uh, switching to organic, uh, but also, I need to be getting at least uh, a minimum of 90 grams a day. So 30 grams each meal. I would try to squeeze of in protein. of protein, of protein. Um, I would lean, you know, we've talked about this, um, and well-raised, regeneratively grown meats. Um, they have the probably the best um, nutrient profile, uh, nutrient profile, balanced amino acids. Uh, 30 grams at each meal. Also, I would be doing at least three times a week of some kind of resistance or weight training uh, to counteract the loss of loss of muscle mass. That's what I'd do. Okay. And then seems like a good plan. I I personally, I'm not a big medication or person. So I would, once I got to near my target weight, I would try to get myself off of it because I do think that long-term we're going to see, Again, these insurance companies are not insurance companies, but drug companies don't necessarily always look at the long-term side effects. Or do they care? We're starting to see. It's all about what sells, right? We're starting to see, you know, gastroparesis and some other things. So I would, I would get off of it as soon as I possibly could. And so getting off of it, you know, I, when my patients are on it, you know, like, oh, should I just quit? I'm like, no, you need to taper down. Yeah. Uh, just like if you were taking a testosterone replacement or any kind of their thyroid replacement, you don't go cold turkey. Like if you're at if you're at the highest dose, you need to probably half it, half it, half it, and then come off of it. Um, now I was thinking the other day because I had uh, you know a couple patients that were fairly close, and I, I they started taking it, and they got two drastically different responses. One lost a ton of weight really quick, like thirty pounds pretty quickly, and that was about sixteen, you know, seventeen percent total body weight. And then the other patient lost none. Now, uniquely in this situation, I was able to check their labs prior, mm. which I don't always get to do. Yeah. Right. The one with the best response had a significantly elevated, um, um, IR. What's yeah, a, the HOMA? The, the H-O-M-A. HOMA. No, not HOMA IR. The G, the one that wild health checks the, uh, insulin resistance. Yeah. Basically. The insulin resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Very high. Yeah. Big response. Mm-hmm. The other one, not elevated, no response. Yeah. So if you're, you know, going back to the bucket analogy, you know, if, if I'm, well, I don't know how to really apply that to the analogy, but 
it, it all goes back to how your how well your body's handling that bucket when you start. If it's handling it fairly well, and maybe you're just overfilling the bucket, but the sensitivities are are all good, you're not going to see that great of a response. Or if you do see a response, it's probably going to be muscle loss. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing uh, important, you know, just to plug our clinic here is we are checking your muscle mass. Yeah. We are checking your doing fat a DEXA mass. scan. We're doing a DEXA scan. We're checking your visceral fat. We yeah. want to know what impact this is having on your body because the scale doesn't tell the story, right? It just doesn't give us the insight to be able to coach you in the right direction. Yeah. It'd be nice. I wish we could check um, all those lab levels on patients, but most insurance, insurance companies just, just don't pay, pay for it. it. So, so you got to pay out of pocket and yeah. not everybody's just willing to do that. Yeah. Uh, well, just we can plug that right quick. So we check a lab panel that pretty much gives insight into everything. There, I mean, if I could add a few more things to it, I would, but mm-hmm. it's kind of overkill probably. But we know your insulin sensitivity. We know your 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 cardiovascular risk profile. We know we know all this stuff, and that if you pay cash is about four hundred fifty to five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. uh, which you know sounds like a lot of money. Uh, but when you're gaining that much insight, and it's going to craft how you go forward. Right. So if I'm going to go, if I'm going to go spend money on a gym membership or a diet program or this or that, dude, it is well worth to know where you're at and where you're going. So, yeah, you can go through insurance. Insurance only pay for about half the stuff we order. You know, it's going to be, you're going to meet your deductible on it. But if you just say, Hey, I want to pay cash for this about 450 to $500 and you can get like the most complete lab panel that I know. So I'm not, um, I don't get any kickbacks on this, but, um, there's still in beta phase. So, so in beta phase, uh, functionhealth.com, uh, still in beta phasing phase. And I did this, uh, as part of the beta uh, testing, but, um, uh, basically you can go on, sign up. It's $499 and you get, uh, all these lab tests that we were just talking about. And what I like about it is they set up where it gets drawn. It's very easy. And then you get the results back in about four weeks along with the doctor analyzes it and tells you things that you need to be changing, what, what foods you need to eliminate, what foods you need to embrace supplements. And then they recheck it six months from now, because I think what's important I've seen Bo and you, you've same thing is you need to see improvement in these lab markers uh, based off your diet changes and your lifestyle changes. And I think that reinforces that you're on the right track and so I encourage patients, check that out. It's called functionhealth.com. I don't know when it's going to come out of beta testing where everyone can sign up, but that's an easy way to be able to get your labs checked. Okay. What else do they offer? Cancer screening? Uh, they, yeah, cool. Uh, cancer screening, which is it's, it's fairly expensive, but they screen for 60 cancers uh, through a blood test. And this is new technology, um, but really cool. Really cool. If anybody has read about the Theranos project mm-hmm. and all the crooked stuff that went on there, this is that idea, but in, in actuality, yeah, right? Uh, they were actually able to develop, we need a very little blood. We can tell if there's something going on. And it, the, if you do it, it, if you get a positive, it doesn't mean that you do have cancer. It just means this is the direction we need to investigate. We need to, right? we need to start looking. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's called a GRAIL test, G-R-A-I-L. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Something we've been enjoying on our cooking show, Cooking with Chelsea, is the beef from Ribbon Wire Ranch. Uh, They are a local farm near Dalhart that sells premium organic beef from pasture to doorstep. So you can go to their website, ribbonwire.com. 
Uh, when you check out, use the code PWLC and you'll get 10% off your order. We hope you enjoy. Okay, we're back. And we're recording on a different uh, recording equipment, so our voices may be different. Um, so we wanted to come back and talk about resistance activity, resistance training, and kind of define what that is. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as we just mentioned throughout this this talk about, you know, taking semi-glutide, Wagovi, Saxenda, um, Mongero is a little different. We didn't really talk about tirzepatide, but semi-glutide, uh, same, same mechanism of action between the two of them. But resistance activity, keeping your bucket, you know, not losing that bucket size, you know, what does that mean? Uh, so what's your daily routine, Dr. I, Blue? I love it. So like I was, uh, we, we already talked about this, so I'm having to re-talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had, we had recording get lost. So. <laughs> so basically what I do, I don't like to go to the gym for an hour. Um, just, just mentally, I can't handle that. I like to get things over with. Um, so three times a week, I limit my workout to 15 minutes and basically I do everything at once. I'm going to get, hit all the major muscle groups, lots of resistance, uh, build muscle mass. Also, I'm going to get cardio, some zone two in there, and then I'm going to do a VO two max all in one workout. Okay. Um, so what I do, I start off, uh, with basically I drink about 32 ounces of water that before I work out, just really stay hydrated. Um, I start off with 70 continuous push-ups, regular push-ups. I follow that by some stretching, um, hitting all the major muscle groups. I think stretching is very important long-term to be functional, um, also to prevent injury. I then follow that with 50 diamond push-ups. I'm just hitting my upper body. It's got nice triceps. (laughs) So I I love, I love, um, again, I like being not a bodybuilder physique, but I like having muscle. So Now, I follow that with a lower body workout, and I take a kettlebell that's 25 pounds, and I do some essentially squats, um, and I do 30 of those. I then do a plyometric workout, which is basically like a full um, jump, meaning it's not a lunge, but I'm, I'm taking my whole body, and I'm jumping as far as I can. So a broad jump. Correct. A, a leap. I'm leaping. Correct. And I go about, I'd say, 30 to 40 feet. And I come back and I do two sets of those. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just hitting that's a is that lot. your is that what you're calling your VO two max? Not yet. Push? Okay. Not yet. Um I then follow that. I get on my elliptical. And I love an elliptical because it's working your upper body, your lower body, you're just getting more of a whole body workout. And I essentially I go for five minutes in a zone two, just you know, where I'm Breathing pretty good, but not exhausted. And at the end, I turn up my resistance on my elliptical and go as hard as I can for two minutes. So five minutes followed by two minutes. So that's about a 15-minute workout. I am sweating. I am tired, wore out. Then I go do a cold shower. And so that's my workout three times a week. And the resistance part, it's all about building that muscle mass up and keeping that uh, because I think that's key to keep your metabolism. And then we talked about that being your longevity currency. So um, that's my workout. Okay. So, yeah, going back to our bucket analogy, you're trying to have a bigger bucket, and you're also trying to deplete the bucket in the morning, right? Correct. And then throughout the day, you're controlling the input input into the bucket by looking at your diet. Correct. Right? What, getting, what, what am I putting into my body? Getting good, you know, good protein intake. Um real clean, nutri- nutrient-dense foods, non-inflammatory. 
yeah. some fasting, you know, probably three times a week. I'm not, I'm not eating breakfast, and and so I'm doing condensed eating windows of eight hours. Yeah. So importantly, you still try to get your your total day protein intake in that window. Correct. I'm having to put quite a bit in that eight hours. Yeah. So I got to get all. 85 to 90 to 100 grams of protein in those two meals or in that window. So you can't time restrict and also forget that I still need the building blocks of being a healthy human. Correct. Right. So since you, uh, so my workouts tend to go in phases. I kind of go in and out of different routines. Currently I'm doing five, three, one. So maybe that uh, there's no, there's nothing to sell there. So there's no advertising really. There's some five, three, one apps on Apple uh, if you want. But it's just a, it's a straight, it's main, it's all about strength. You know, I've done CrossFit, I've done, you know, HIT workouts, I've done this. Uh, but currently, the past six months, been doing the five three one program, which is all about. It's kind of like old school uh, football off season training. You do a you do a max, or you kind of guess at a max, and then the first week you're doing sixty five, seventy five, eighty five percent five reps a piece, and then you go to the second week and it's five three, it's three three three. And you're getting a little heavier, and then week three, it's going to be your heaviest week, and it's five, three, one. That's where the name comes from. And then your fourth week is a deload week, so you're just doing lightweight. Uh, my, you know, when you're doing heavy squats, heavy deadlift, my heart rate is in zone two to zone three, sometimes zone four. Um, so it's it's kind of I, you know it would be considered a hit type workout, but it it kind of ends up being a, a little bit of a hit workout. Try to do some walking in there, uh, uh, inclined, uh, add some weight, so like a, a like a ruck, a go ruck type situation. Uh, I'd, I'd say I'm not particularly focused on that right now. I'm more focused on strength uh, building and strength training. Uh, that so I do that four days a week, and each one of those workouts takes me about uh, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so get in, get out, and I'm doing that at, at home in my garage uh, uh, with my my workout partner, uh, but. You know, I think one thing to take away from here is don't let working out be intimidating. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of people think, well, I don't have an hour, so I'm not going to go. I can't do it five days a week, so I'm not going to go. I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to go. Keep it simple. Yeah. Right? Does that make no, sense? I, I think um, especially, like, we moved, you know, two years ago. I didn't have all my equipment and didn't have my elliptical. So I had, you have to be creative. Uh, I continue doing my pushups, continue doing stretching. I did air squats instead of a kettlebell. I didn't have that. Uh, and so you just got to be creative, um, that you stay in a routine. And I always tell my patients, start off five minutes, three times a week. Doesn't have to be crazy. Um, but get into that routine and establish some great habits where you, do that the rest of your life. Yeah. I've, I've, I, if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard my workout routine a few times, but I try to go to the, the garage is where my gym is. Um, I try to go out there every day, you know, no matter, I try to stay in the routine. So yeah. some days I go out there and it's, I drink coffee in the gym. It may be for 10 minutes, but I drink coffee. Some days it's a hard workout. Some days it's, you know, this is the negotiation with my workout partner. Like, Hey, I'm not feeling it today stretch session yeah some days we're just drinking coffee and talking about life i mean so but it's the routine we yeah. keep keep going in the routine um so i, I think that's important because there's days i i, I didn't work out today i i, yeah. I texted alan last night i'm like dude i'm not feeling it uh, at, at the end of the day i was feeling pretty run down my hrv my heart rate variability the day before was like 13 
so I'm like, I'm not recovering. I need more sleep. I need to, to really, you know, dial this part in. I'll work out tomorrow though. Uh, I still went out to the garage today and picked up some tools mm. and moved some weights around. I didn't work out. I didn't push it. Uh, but I still went out there foot, the foot path, the routine. I still went out there. The same thing. I had to get up early this morning to do surgery. So, um, I did 50 pushups. That's all I did. Uh, but I kept that a part of my routine. Yeah. Yeah. So here's your routines, uh, and staying on time at clinic. So five minutes late. All right. All right. Thanks guys. Bye.